for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, still coming to you live from Acapulco, Mexico, at the Anarcapulco event, which is slowly winding down. Uh, and no, someone in the chat says that Anarcapulco changed me. The only thing that it changed was the my skin tone. I'm 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 burning here, uh, but otherwise, um, I'm the same old me. Uh, not participating in any shenanigans. I don't even have the energy <laughs> to do that. Um, and we got first-time guests coming up today. Scott Sibley of um, Shamari.com to talk about Bitcoin and, and what he's doing there. And Patrick Flood will be joining us second hour to talk about um, how he fought COVID-1984 and won. And a quick uh, PSA here. Um TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, literally, uh, as I am right now, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters, that's you, around the world, to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. So head on over to the website, buy some merchandise, uh, and drop whatever you feel comfortable with in terms of donations. What is happening around the world? Some economic uh, news being reported now. It looks like the penny is slowly beginning to drop. Reports today, UK economy falling into recession has uh, fell into recession in second half of 2023 um after it says uh, after the britain's economy shrank by worse than expected 0.3 percent then you've got japan unexpected unexpectedly not really unexpectedly we, we a lot of most of us saw this coming people who are paying attention but unexpected they say unexpectedly slips into recession uh, Germany now world's third biggest economy, and um, some analysts are putting together longer lists. Uh, other countries now officially in a recession. So we already mentioned UK, Japan, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Luxembourg, Moldova, Peru, Ireland, uh, and some people are saying China, Germany, and Canada. So slowly, the collapse is uh, underway. You had a Fed official today uh, came out and said that the status of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency is likely to continue despite threats posed by China's rise and the growth of cryptocurrencies. What that probably means is that the uh, dominance of the U.S. dollar is not going to continue because usually the opposite happens of what whatever officials tell you. But I guess... We'll see. I'm I'm mixed on that one. I've got guests on that like uh, Giant Bandari a couple of weeks back, who says who says what the Fed official uh, said 
Uh, and others say that, uh, no, everything's going to collapse. We're going to find out. Um, there are also discussions regarding, um, let's see, this one's pretty crazy. Let's, let's hop, over, hop over to Greece. It says, Greece becomes first Orthodox Christian country to legalize same-sex marriage. Lawmakers in the 300-seat parliament voted for the bill drafted by center-right government despite church officials' objections. So Greece has become the world's first Christian Orthodox nation to do that. Um, yeah, it says they say the, uh, that it's a historic moment. A lot of us weren't sure it would ever come, said a prominent Greek gay activist. There you go. And also in Greece, Greek farmers decide to take their protests to Athens and expand roadblock campaign. Greek farmers angry at high production costs today said they would step up a roadblock campaign and take their protests to Athens after rejecting government proposed concessions. Following a nationwide meeting of farmer unionists near the town of Larissa in central Greece, uh, representatives said protesters would drive their tractors to the capital for a rally next Tuesday, um, there was a guy in the street shouting at me. I, th I think it's tomorrow's guest. <laughs> hey, this, this is what the live radio is like here in uh, in, Anarch in Anarchapulco, Acapulco. Um, so yeah, and not only in Greece, there's also reports now in France, uh, video footage of um, French farmers taking down EU flags from government buildings. And um, also here in Mexico, now it's being reported that truckers are striking hundreds of them all across highways uh, around Mexico because I've been talking about this, the security situation, um, particularly some of their demands uh, are enhanced security on highways due to rising robbery and assault incidents and to Mexican police abuses and extortion, uh, official operating tariffs for cargo transport, elimination of municipal permits, um, they say that this nationwide action involves truck drivers advocating for safer highway conditions. Uh, so we're starting to see pushback by the working class farmers, truckers from France to Greece to here uh, in Mexico. Let's see where that takes us. Uh, and we've also got this was an interesting uh, story uh, about uh, Dr. Mercola. Uh, he's uh, apparently channeling demons. New story here that um, he uh, he's working with some psychic. Uh, he's firing a bunch of his staff, and um, uh, he's he's uh, open. This psychic is channeling um, spirits, and uh, and Marcola is going off of that. Uh, and this story was retweeted by Marcola's ex girlfriend, Erin. I forget her last name. Uh, and, and and people can check that story out in Natural Products uh, Insider. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Mercola does a lot of work. Uh, I'm not really cool with channeling demons, but um, or spirits. So, anyways, we'll see what happens there. Uh, be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store, or Google Play Store, uh, so you can easily watch or listen live to us anywhere, anytime available right now to download, keeping you up to speed on TNT. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
All right. Reportedly, America's second largest radio broadcaster could soon emerge from bankruptcy with a new shareholder, far-left billionaire George Soros, which would be scary enough without the fact that this happens to be an election year. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Hervori. Uh, yes, we are speaking of one liberal financier and consummate Trump hater, George Soros, who has by proxy basically bought a major stake in the uh, U.S. second United States second largest radio company and could gain, quote unquote, effective control of more than 220 stations across the country. At least that's how the New York Post uh, reported about this yesterday. Uh, this was also picked up by Bloomberg, RT. A lot of big outlets are reporting about this today. Um, so it's not technically George Soros, but it is the investment hedge fund thingamabob or the investment firm, which was founded by him. Uh, it's called Soros Fund Management. They purchased around $400 million worth of debt that was owned by the Odyssey Media Group during its bankruptcy process. Um, this is all according to uh, court filings. So this is uh, very scary, all things considered. Um, the billionaire bought the debt at roughly 50 cents on the dollar uh, from hedge fund HG Vora. Uh, that one is according to New York Post. Uh, who noted that once the deal is approved by a bankruptcy court, Soros or his firm will own about 40% of Odyssey's overall debt. While 40% is not a majority stake, a source told the New York Post that Soros could nevertheless gain, quote, effective control of the media giant when it emerges from bankruptcy, end quote. Now, Odyssey owns specifically 227, I believe, music, sports, and talk radio stations. That's right. They, they cover news on these radio stations, people. Uh, that is spread out across 45 U.S. states. The company also owns CBS Radio, which operates 11 news stations, including San Francisco's KCBS and New York's WCBS. After years of declining review revenue, excuse me, Odyssey filed for bankruptcy early last month. Ooh, they were facing debt worth about $1.9 billion. Should the deal go ahead, as reported, Odyssey will be the latest addition to Soros's growing media empire. Wait, there's more? What? Uh, yep, Soros Fund Management joined a consortium of creditors to purchase Vice Media last year. Yep, paying $350 million to acquire a former once upon a time, media junker, juggernaut, who at one point was valued at $5.7 billion. What happened? Uh, a quote-unquote insider source <laughs> cited by the New York Post described the Odyssey deal as scary, saying he believed that Soros intended to use his stake to influence public opinion ahead of this year's U.S. presidential election. A hedge fund manager who shot to infamy for crashing the British pound in 1992, Soros is among the wealthiest men. 
we'll, we'll just use that word because that's what he is, on the planet, uh, with an estimated net worth of around $7 billion. That's on top of the $32 billion he has donated to a web of NGOs, charities, and political campaigns through his Open Society Foundations. Uh, in case you didn't know, Soros is an advocate for mass immigration to Western countries, uh, European federalism, and economic and political liberalism. He's an all-around, not-so-conservative kind of guy. Uh, he was the largest donor of the 2022 U.S. midterm election season, funneling a whopping $128 million to Democratic candidates and organizations, as well as direct donations to candidates and activist groups. Soros has reportedly also given $300,000 to a group of TikTok influencers who collaborated with the White House to promote President Joe Biden's policies. Uh, and last year, the Open Society Foundations announced that Soros, who is 93 years young, would step down from the helm of the organization and hand control to his 38-year-old son, Alex, who may or may not be in a hot dating relationship with one Huma Abedin. But that's a story for another day. Rory, what do you think about this one? Ruckus, please don't ruin my, my taco dinner, okay? <laughs> Uh, it sounded like you kept talking about Odyssey, L-B-R-Y, Odyssey, but uh, they're written differently, but they sound the same. And, you know, this is sort of to be expected that the monop monopolization of the aud audiovisual, you know, broadcasting space. But you, you got to love the comments, though. In the article, it says, well, first, someone says one of the top articles uh, comments says that he, his son looks so strong and manly, but uh, someone else made a, a good a good observation. Don't tell Grandpa Soros, but no one listens to radio stations. Um, I tried Ringo. I really tried, but there's more commercials than music. It's a dead business. I think they're referring specifically to terrestrial sort of radio uh, stations. And I think... Um, you know, more people are listening to online internet, digital radio stations like TNT or podcasts. Uh, and so that's something to think about. But this is never a good thing. And we know that they're trying to go out. You know, they've got YouTube. They've got the big tech platforms. They're coming after um, website hosting and, and podcast platforms, some of the last remaining holdouts uh and the issue is how long will we be able to speak freely on these platforms whether it's it's um, terrestrial radio or internet radio who knows but this is a step in the wrong direction i think ruckus uh your thoughts oh yeah i mean soros okay so uh, yeah so technically i guess it's the younger source it doesn't matter they're all the same they're all cut from the same cloth literally the apple does not fall far from the tree as the expression grows in this case um yeah if history has taught us anything about why and what they do pouring all this money into it this they have a a, a very you know conniving plan that they do very much, I'm guessing, intend to meddle with the affairs of uh, things here in America. And maybe that's not just necessarily for the election. It could be past the election as well. Uh, I don't know what goes on in the minds of these 
these men in particular, Hergori. I would hate to misgender them, by the way. That's why I keep referring to them as men. I don't think they're like real manly men. They're kind of wimpy kind of men to me, the way they act. But that's just my personal opinion. Come at me, bro. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. But, you know, we got to keep fighting, uh, pushing back on in the information space. You know, I like I like a lot of uh, Patrick Hennington's commentary on that, this, this battle in the information space. It is a battle for hearts and minds, principally. You know, it's psychological warfare, cognitive warfare. It's it's all up here. So, all right, thanks for that, Ruckus. Uh, we've got our guest, Scott Sibley of Shamory.com, coming on to talk uh, Bitcoin and the work that he's doing in that space. Feel free to um, call in or put your questions or comments into the chat or send them through my email. We'll be right back. TNT's Alex Zaharoff Roy. The big thing that people are not doing uh, is using a virtual private network when they're online. So please do that. Make sure that you're also using things like a password manager. Make sure that you're using things like a, uh, a system to make sure that you uh, always get a Google authenticated code. Don't use the uh, SMS system that uh, sends a text message to you. Very convenient, but really not uh, the safest way of doing things because people can be simjacked. This actually happened to Jack Dorsey, the guy who's in charge of Twitter. Talking tech with Alex Zaharoff Royd on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Joining us on this Rebel Transmission is Scott Sibley, founder of Shamory. That's S H A M O R Y, which is one of the leading providers of Bitcoin educational products for all ages. Their flagship product, Shamory, is a STEM authenticated bitcoin card game for kids and adults selected as best in stem 2021 by newsweek magazine and stem.org it's the perfect mixture of fun and education for anyone interested in learning about bitcoin shamari.com is the website welcome to tnt scott thanks for having me excited to be here thanks for coming on i've been looking at your stuff it's interesting uh, i you know i think when i get back home i'm gonna purchase uh, the card game for my kids uh, we're always looking for games for our kids uh, you can never have enough uh you know for educational purposes you, you got to make sure that they, they, they grow up uh intelligent but be before maybe getting uh to that how did you sort of get into bitcoin and crypto and all of that yeah so um i came in like many other people just kind of watching number go up and, and becoming interested from that side of things it was uh, for me late 2017 early 2018 which Feels like it was just yesterday, but um, I guess crazy enough is, you know, six plus years ago now. Um, and you kind of just slowly got more interested in this space um, after about six months or so realized, you know, this is something I'm more than just passively interested in um, and wanted to figure out how I could be more involved. And, you know, long story short, that's eventually how Shamari came came about. Are, are you a Bitcoin maximalist or no? 
that's our focus. You know, I, everybody makes their own choices, but you know, not, not a hardcore going to yell at everybody for whatever kind of more believe that everybody's free to choose whatever they'd like to choose and take things from there. But for our per family purposes and then building Shamari out, um, it's specifically focused on Bitcoin. And, and do you see Bitcoin, uh, you know, I'm down here at Anarchapulco. There's a lot of crypto people uh, and, and, and there's talk like looking at the benefits in, in, in different ways that it liberates us from the fiat system, uh, but also, you know, the, the coming, this, this talk of CBDCs, right? Did you have any thoughts on um, the ways that Bitcoin can uh, help us as well as protect us? Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing that um, I'm sure most people outside of the, the Bitcoin space you know, don't understand when it comes to you know Bitcoin versus CB, CBDCs is, you know, while yes, CBDCs is a digital currency, um, if that comes about the, the government, whatever it's the, the US government, the Mexican government, the Canadian government, whoever it may be, um, they're still gonna have full control over that. Um, they'll be able to print as much as they'd like uh, digitally. Um, they'll be able to censor transactions. They'll be able to even more easily tell you how you can or cannot use um, the money that you've potentially earned from a job. Um, so be able to track um, all that sort of information. And so whereas Bitcoin comes in, you know, it's that free and open software. Um, it's fully immutable. Um, anybody can download the full history of the ledger, see everything that's happened and essentially can't stop what's happening in the future. Um, and so being able to understand that difference where, yes, both are digital currencies, but Bitcoin is that free digital currency that allows anybody, whether I'm here in the United States and somebody's in Africa, if they want to come to the website and purchase one of our products, they can check out using Bitcoin. I don't need to know anything else other than where to send the product um, and away it goes. Whereas with the CBDCs, that could potentially be turned off. I, I That's one of the things I worry the most uh, about our, the, is the cashless system and CBDCs uh, and people are getting debanked from fintech, right? Like Patreons and, and PayPal's and from actual banks. Now, you know, how worried are, are you about CBDCs? I've, I've had guests on like Guy Swan and, and Mark Yevtovich up in Canada. Uh, and, you know, he thinks that we might have like a two-tiered system where um, you'll have CBDCs, but then you'll also have like that, that, that valve, the black market where you'll still be able to transact in, in, in Bitcoin. What's sort of your take on that? Do you have a worst case scenario? Yeah, I don't guess I don't have a worst case scenario. Um, in theory, it doesn't keep me up at night too much, only because if you think about it, you know, being here in the United States, as an example, the dodge dollar is already digitized um, almost as much as a CBDC. You know, people like you, to your point, um, aren't paying in cash um, for the most part. Um, so you're either paying via credit card or Venmo or PayPal or, you know, checking out on a website, however that may be, or in store, um, Apple Pay, Google Pay. Um, so introducing a CBDC, um, I guess the worry more so comes from, uh, if you flash back to something like uh, 2020 when the world went upside down and, uh, you know, everybody was getting stimuluses, um, a CBDC would make it easier for the government to say, okay, you know, we're going to give you a thousand dollars. You have to spend it between, um, you know, February 15th and March 15th, and you can only spend it on um, XYZ materials or XYZ food. Um, and if you don't, then, you know, the pro the transaction is not going to go through. So those are the sorts of things that I think prior are more worrisome, but as a whole, I don't, I don't sense that the system would change all that much. 
for most people because it's it's digital anyways. Um, we think about it that way. So it's more so a, a status quo with some, you know, intricacies in there. And and you see anything slowing Bitcoin down, um, whether they are you know, increasing tax reporting regulations, or I think I heard something recently about uh, regulations now specifically for Bitcoin miners um, in the U.S. Uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people where I am at now that are very bull, extremely bullish on Bitcoin, saying no, nothing can um, stop it. And any thoughts on you know some of these increasing or attempts by governments to um, regulate um, Bitcoin, and and we've also got them creating these ETFs uh, as well. Yeah, I think uh, your key word there was probably attempts. Um, you know, they've attempting it and they've been in various ways for, for 15 plus years now. Um, you know, the whole meme of, you know, China bans Bitcoin uh, a thousand times, however many times. And you can see all those, those, those fun charts where you can see, oh, China banned Bitcoin and then up it goes. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they'll keep trying different things. Um, I think like you referenced, there was the, uh, the Bitcoin mining legislation from a week or two ago that um, uh, they're trying to push through. Um, but I think the nice thing is the system is decentralized enough now, 15 years later, that, you know, it's just going to keep chugging forward, um, especially with the ETFs um, from, a, you know, about a month old now and being a huge success uh, by pretty much any metric you can imagine. Um, and those things are going to be more ingrained into you know, specifically with the U.S., the U.S. financial system to where at some point, Bitcoin is going to be just as big as all these other things that are, quote unquote, too big to fail. Um, and, you know, the U.S. is going to have to wake up and realize this is, you know, this is something we need to let grow, um, benefit from, prosper from and and find the ways to make that happen. All right. Shamari.com is the website. We have to jump real quick to our headlines. We'll be right back. No problem. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Victory Parade, which resulted in one death and nearly two dozen injuries, was sparked by a personal dispute, not terrorism or extremism, according to Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves. The House Judiciary Committee, led by Chairman Jim Jordan, has requested Mark Zwanitzer, the ghostwriter for President Joe Biden's memoirs, to submit any recordings and notes from their collaborations. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We're talking Bitcoin and Shamari, the the Bitcoin card game. If you want to tell us a bit about how the name came I came about and the process I, uh, of creating the game, you know, I love board games. Uh, I've been enjoying them for a long time, um, and it's I, I've even thought about you know creating one myself, but I I don't, I don't think it's an easy process. So uh, yeah, the the name and how you went about it. Yeah, so uh, Shamari was our first product, and so it's the namesake of the company. Um, so it is a, a card game, uh, really for ages four on up through adult. Uh, the idea came about um, in around 2018 or so, um, where my wife and I were starting to plan to eventually have a family together at that time um, and had become more and more interested in Bitcoin, like I mentioned earlier, and recognizing that at that time, there really wasn't much of any there to be able to help teach 
people of all ages, kids or kids at heart as adults about Bitcoin in kind of fun and, and simplistic ways. And so that's where kind of we started thinking about how we could make that happen together um, and eventually created the, the card game Shamari and the name comes from, so uh, SHA-256 is the cryptographic algorithm that's used in Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining, so SAJ. And then Mori comes from the word memory uh, because the gameplay of Shamari is uh, mimicked off of the game of memory um, that I'm sure many of us have played it as, as a kid where you're flipping over cards trying to remember where those matches came from. So uh, Shamari and, and Shamori is just a matchup, uh, mix up of those two uh, words uh, coming together. Yeah, now it makes sense. SHA, yeah, I, I remember that. And what what would you say are some of the goals of uh, of this game? Is it to get um, kids familiar with the, the concept of, of Bitcoin and digital currencies or crypto? Yeah, I guess the first goal of, of all of our products, whether it's the card game or our books or anything else, is simply to let, whether it's kids or adults really, let them become familiar with just the topic of Bitcoin in a low stakes, fun way. So that's kind of step one. Since, you know, right now, uh, most people probably think of it as an overly complex and difficult thing to understand. Uh, but the more and more that we can kind of simplify things, uh, that's that's the baseline. The game specifically, um, the nice thing is, um, like I mentioned, it's played similar to the game of memory, so easy to pick up and play. And the key things that people can learn from it is how, as a Bitcoin miner, so there's two or more players playing at once. Each player is their own individual miner, if you will. Uh, but they're all trying to mine the same blockchain, just like in Bitcoin. And so it's teaching them how, while we're all competing to earn the Bitcoin rewards by playing this game, um, there's a Bitcoin attack that can happen of the chain within the game. And so if that happens, every player is a loser. Um, the game ends. And so it's teaching how, you know, just like in Bitcoin, there's one chain, there's all these miners that are out there trying to protect it. But if something goes wrong, you know, we're, we're all left for dead, for, for lack of better words. And so just like in the game, you know, while we're competing for each other for those rewards, at the end of the day, if we can mine that chain to a block height of 10, which is the goal of the game, we're all winners because whether I won one reward or five rewards, it doesn't matter. And we succeeded in our goal. That, just that concept of where everyone loses reminds me of the game Pandemic, which I was playing way before COVID. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting game where you got four diseases and everyone has to work together to cure the the, the the diseases and if not everyone dies and so uh and and what uh, what's been the reaction to uh Shamari? it's been wonderful so um, we officially launched the game in april of 2020 um so going on four years now and um between then and now you know being whether it's at in-point person events or communicating with people on podcasts or twitter or whatever it may be um love the feedback there's so many people within the Bitcoin space specifically that are in kind of that, um, you know, say in their, their 20s to 40s, uh, where they either have just started a family or are thinking about starting a family. So you constantly hear, oh, you know, this is a perfect thing for my XYZ kids that are coming or my five-year-old or my 10-year-old. Um, and so just being able to see our product line grow with the other families that are out there is, is an awesome thing. And, and what about the creation of it? You know, I, I would assume maybe you would have Perhaps you consulted with, with some game makers or did you guys come up with everything your, yourself? Because I'm thinking like if I ever, you know, I'd probably have an idea myself and then um, check it with people who who have worked in that industry. How, how did that work? Yeah, so we kind of um, jumped all in headfirst. Uh, we had no prior experience 
creating a game, manufacturing a game, um, setting up an e-commerce site, um, really just literally built everything from scratch. Um, as far as the gameplay goes, there were definitely many horrible versions um, at the beginning that first, you know, my wife and I were just testing on ourselves um, and then um, our family members um, as kind of the guinea pigs to just see what worked, what didn't, um, and taking it from there, but never, um, you know, reached out into any official game makers or anything like that, just kind of tested it within our, our inner circle, um, got it out there, learned the manufacturing process and, and took it from there. I, I used to teach economics um, at the secondary level as well as um, undergrad. And um, it's been some years, but while I was in education, it it didn't seem like, you know, in the curriculum that was being taught, that there was much talk of this new space, like this this cutting edge space of, of where we are, digital currencies, crypto, Bitcoin. Um, is that coming into the classroom or or it's still not quite there definitely not quite there yet um we've seen um an uptick over the past say um 12 to 18 months of other people within the bitcoin space that are either building out other physical products that are educational or even more so kind of curriculum that's out there that can be easily adapted um, in the different learning environments whether it's elementary school age you know middle high school um, collegiate um, so there are things out there that are being built, um, but you know my my background prior to Shamari was working in the educational technology industry for 15 years. Um, so I have experience um, working within kind of the typical U.S. school districts, K-12 school districts primarily, um, and um, those are typically the last to change, uh, the slowest to kind of get on that next wave. You find you know little hubs here and there that are, you know, looking at that next wave of what should we learn, which is awesome. Uh, but more so, you know, they're lacking mostly, in, you're just starting just straight financial education, um, let alone wrapping in things like Bitcoin. So hopefully all of that can come, you know, hand in hand, especially as these um, pieces of curriculum can just get wrapped in, you know, it makes it's nice that, you know, our game and both of our books are all STEM authenticated. So as curriculum gets built, it could be more easily adapted um, to those environments as well. The edtech space is definitely fascinating. And I think there are advantages and disadvantages to having like a physical card game versus something <laughs> digital um, and online. Um, you know, why did you guys decide to start with something physical? And do you have any plans to, to create some sort of like, um, you know, video, Bitcoin video game or, or edtech uh, software? Yeah, so two main reasons we started with something physical. Uh, one, like I mentioned, I had been in the tech industry for 15 years and kind of went through the the life cycle of building out digital platforms and you know uh, monthly release cycles, bug fixes, that whole thing. So I knew the um, amount of work that it takes to to make those platforms happen. Uh, but even more so, we wanted to create something physical that could be used in a heavily digitized world. Um, especially since our product was geared towards um, doing things within a group, groups as families. So one of the things we hear, you know, uh, from people is, you know, we love playing the game as with our with our kids. We love sitting down at, at story time and reading the books. Um, and so it's bringing that physical, whether it's the physical product or just physical as in people, um, into one area together um, and making that kind of come to life was was the biggest reason why we did it. 
Yeah, and I, I can imagine. And and you know, the uh, the last presentation I saw today at Anarchapulco was about homeschooling, and it was uh, folks, uh, a guy from the from New Hampshire from this Free State Project, um, um, and he was talking, telling us about all of the benefits of you know having your kids in, in, involved away from the screens uh, with with physical stuff that develops their brains better. Uh, he was he, uh, you know Jeremy Kaufman, I, I think, who ran for was a governor of New Hampshire who I've had on the program, the, the former head of Odyssey Library. Uh, his kids were, were, were involved uh, w w with this guy's kids, um, uh, I guess, you know, calling chickens and all that stuff. And so I think there, the, it's it's very important that the hands-on stuff, and I, I like what you did with the card game um, with Shamari. We're going to jump to our break. Again, the website is shamari.com where you can uh, get the game and we can talk about there's there's uh, books now as well. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. One of the things if you're putting forth a new idea or you have an idea that you think is revolutionary and can actually lead to a change in the way people look at things is that that idea can start owning you. Now, if you've been listening to me on TNT, I've been talking about something called hydrothermal vents. The reason I got into this is because they affect the weather that if these hot spots develop in the ocean, well, guess what? The re weather reacts and I'm just getting sick and tired of them developing out of nowhere and basically catching me off guard. I don't like it. When I put together a weather forecast, I'm looking at certain events going on in the atmosphere, and then if something happens in the oceans that changes that, and then the atmospheres react, I can't see that stuff. In any case, I've been pushing this hydrothermal vent idea for quite some time. And a lot of people say, you have no peer review. Well, first of all, I've walked up and down many beaches and reviewed the piers out there, but that's a different kind of peer. They have no peer review that it's not happening. And I'm going to quote from an article, and the name of the article is How Hydrothermal Vents and Other Seabed Structures Heat Our Oceans, that says this, overwhelming amounts of reliable information taken from hundreds of research studies, that's right, hundreds, and you don't even know about them because no one wants you to, prove that emissions of superheated fluids and gases from the estimated 10 million ocean floor geological features including these hydrothermal vents, are responsible for warming the Earth's oceans, not human activities. If you find out what is warming the oceans, that is the key to what's warming the atmosphere, and it would blow the whole missive out of the water. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. 
This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, it's our final segment with Scott Sibley, founder of Shamory. That's S-H-A-M-O-R-Y.com. And you can pick up the Bitcoin card game. And um, I did want to ask you, have you ever gotten any negative feedback from maybe a certain parent or or, or from schools, uh, anything of of that sort? It sounds crazy, but but no, nothing, um, nothing uh, super negative about anything um, related to the game. You know, most people have enjoyed it. You know, obviously some enjoy it more than others. Um, I'm sure there's some people out there that that um, might have not enjoyed it. But, you know, for the most part, what we hear back is is all very positive um, from the community. And you guys have books now uh, as well. What what are some of the other products? Yeah. So we, we probably have about um, eight to 10 products or so now that we've launched, like I mentioned. So 2020 was the, was the game. So it's been about four years. So continuing to expand. Um, so over that time, we released two different books, um, both. So we have a, a four-year-old and a four-week-old. So up until now, these products have kind of been geared towards the four-year-old at the time. And now we'll have to shift that as well. But um, two different books. So we have Goodnight Bitcoin. Uh, which tells the story of Satoshi and how um, creating Bitcoin for the first time. And then we have, if you give a monster a Bitcoin, uh, which tells the story of how kind of the good that Bitcoin can do in the world. Um, so both are written in kind of that rhyming board book style, mimicking either Goodnight Moon or if you give a mouse a cookie, um, as far as um, other books that people might have read that are familiar. So we've got things like that, um, as well as other um, auxiliary products. We have a, a character. Everything we do is done using these um, monster characters that you're seeing on the front cover here and that are found in the book. This purple guy here is Satoshi um, as our main character. Um, so we do also have a plush doll. Um, in, this, in the case of this plush doll, it's being used to raise funds to build a water well in Africa, which is, cur- which is currently being built. So like I mentioned, our, our goal really is whether it's educa- straight educational stuff with the books or the games or just making Bitcoin fun as the first step. Uh, being able to do that through plush toys, baby teethers, pins, clothes, uh, that sort of thing. Do you, you ever, um, would it make sense to do different flavors? So you've got Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, uh, you know, a lot of people here are, 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 they like the privacy coins like Monero and stuff. Has that ever crossed your mind? Um, it, it does seem Bitcoin, you know, I, I listen to folks like Max Kaiser and, you know, if I were to have crypto, I'd, I'd stick mostly with Bitcoin. Uh, that's my personal uh, opinion. But uh, and, and any thoughts on expanding to other uh, altcoins? Uh, no, so we'll keep we'll keep it focused on, on Bitcoin as far as our, our product line and our, our personal interest, just to, um, to to your point, you know, that Bitcoin will be the the victor, if you will. Um, everything else, in, in our opinion, is a distraction. And so um, expanding the product line would just be a, in those areas would just be a distraction. There's so much more we could do within the Bitcoin space, uh, both with physical products um, as well as, you know, eventually potentially getting to digital. Um, you know, we view our characters as something that can easily go into to video games, short, you know, movies, films, that sort of, you know, cartoons, um, that sort of thing. Isn't the halving coming up in like, two months the bitcoin halving yep in uh mid-april is that then expected to 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 boost the price do you think it's gonna hit a hundred thousand plus eventually i i do um and i wouldn't be surprised if it potentially gets there before then given the the activity uh, from the etfs over the especially the past few days 
Um, you know, they're seeing, you know, 500 billion plus in, in daily inflow um, coming just from the ETFs alone, which is a, a crazy amount. Um, and so between now and I think it's scheduled for April 24th or thereabouts um, as the, the halving, halving date. Um, so, you know, combine that with, you know, cutting the supply in half, um, we're probably in for an exciting um, a couple of years ahead. Now might be the time to back up that Bitcoin um, <laughs> truck. Uh, I've heard some um, extrapolations of even up to like 1 million uh, a coin. Do you think that's plausible? I, I do that's, think that's plausible, uh, not in the, you know, the short term, uh, but, you know, for you know, going out with kind of the, the decade approach, um, definitely. And I mean, if you think about, if you only think of Bitcoin as the digital version of gold, um, and take those um, market cap um, comparisons. You're looking at somewhere around four to five hundred thousand dollars a coin, just with that simple use case. Um, and Bitcoin really is even more than that. And so, you know, just just using that four to five hundred thousand um, dollar a coin benchmark as gold, um, I think easily gets you to that that next level up. But like I said, you know, it, it'll take definitely take time to to get up there, but. The thing about Bitcoin and, and uh, being in the space is it's all about low time preference. You know, people from the outside think of it potentially as a, a get rich quick method. But really, um, the thing you tell most people is, you know, make your first pile buy you know, dollar cost average in from there and have at least a four to five year time horizon before you're you're looking to at least uh, potentially spend some of that. So you need to get through one halving cycle, if you will, um, to be able to, to go through there and withstand the because it is volatile. But the volatility works in your favor um, as long as your your time horizon is there. Uh, I've talked to some interesting people, um, like Mike Hobart, and I, I don't know if it was RFK Jr. who mentioned this as well, or or someone else that this idea that the U.S. government might potentially back the U.S. dollar with um, Bitcoin. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that was um, RFK has uh, Jr. has come out uh, with those ideas. You know, should he be elected uh, president? And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one day that something like that happens. Kind of going back to more hard money standard. Um, I don't think that would be a an easy transition. Obviously, um, given the way the uh, the system currently works, but you know, if you look at those. Uh, long-term cycles of fiat currencies is typically every, I believe I'm not an expert on this, but from what I understand every about 90 or so years uh, where you see these large changes um, and we're right at that, that cycle. Um, so kind of everything is, is lining up for potentially um, something like that to happen over the next, you know, say decade or so or whatever it may be. Yeah. The fourth turning, um, there yeah. are many thinkers, um, the Kondratiev wave, the Elliott wave, um, yeah. and, and many more such um, analysts. So, yeah, I, I would agree that we are there. Uh, you know, who are some of the people that you, your favorite people in the crypto or Bitcoin space that you listen to or or you know, certain podcasters or, or, or publications? Yeah, you know, um, got a handful of them out there that listen to. I always, one of my first answers is always, um, Daniel Prince and the Once Bitten podcast, only because one, he's become a great friend over the past four years. It was also the very first podcast uh, that uh, I ever went on uh, four years ago. And so um, getting to know him over that time has been great. Um, obviously, there's the big names like um, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, who um, our family had gotten the pleasure to know. 
Um, and then, you know, other people uh, within this, you mentioned Guy Swan earlier um, and being able to get those articles or books uh, right out loud. And so I think part of it is there's so many Bitcoin focused podcasts out there. Um, they'll do a little something different. You know, Daniel's is a little more storytelling, personal stories, uh, whereas someone like a Peter is uh, more high level and taking on uh, subject matter um, in that sense. And, you know, somebody like a guy Swan is literally, you know, he, he's audibling um, the different articles and books out there. So pick your flavor, whether you want to get technical, whether you want to get financial, uh, whether, you, whether you want to learn about how it's, you know, affecting places in Africa, uh, third world countries, things like that. There, there's something out there for everybody. Do you have any thoughts on de-dollarization? There's this talk of BRICS, uh, multipolarity. They are also building digital payment systems and they want them interoperable between their um, countries. Actually, the, the Fed today came out and said, and don't, don't worry, the US dollar is still going to be strong for the foreseeable um, future. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the status of the US dollar as the world reserve and this process uh, of de-dollarization that we're witnessing day by day? Yeah, I think, it would, I mean, without being an expert, obviously, it kind of goes back similar to um, earlier when we we're talking about CBDCs and that sort of thing. And I think um, from what I understand related to this specific topic, one of the major, um, I guess, milestones, for lack of a better word, was when um, the whole Russia-Ukraine stuff started happening um, and the U.S. decided to confiscate, essentially, um, uh, you know, billions of dollars, I believe, of the Russian um, funds that are held in treasuries and that sort of thing. And that then forced um, kind of the snowball effect of trying to figure out, you know, whether it's a BRICS or other ways to um, have these economies, worldwide economies work together, um, oil sales and that sort of stuff backed in different ways. And so it's a definitely a complicated, messy matter. I, um, I don't envy the people who have to, you know, be in charge of that sort of decision-making and, and live with those sorts of choices on a day in day out matter. The nice thing is for, you know, common folk like ourselves, you know, there is a system like Bitcoin out there that we can simply opt into by choice. Um, some places allow it more easier than others. Obviously, in this U.S. is you know not limiting it in various ways as opposed to other places in the world. But opting into a system like Bitcoin allows you to worry less, have to worry less necessarily about the other um, uh, less fun stuff going on potentially. And any thoughts on like uh, in terms of if people purchase Bitcoin, the exchanges versus um, what do you call it, cold? Uh, offline yeah. storage. Uh, I think we, we are seeing issues with exchanges now uh, going down. Um, and uh, any thoughts on on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, after you come in, starting one of the first things you definitely should start learning about is how to um, self self custody um, your Bitcoin. And so, for those that don't know, that would be the process of you know, let's say you go to a, a Coinbase or a Kraken or whatever exchange you go to. Um, you make your purchase, you exchange your dollars for Bitcoin. Um, you can then send that Bitcoin to what would be called a hardware wallet, typically. Um, and that allows you to then have full control over that currency. So being able to go back to our earlier conversation around sensorability and that sort of stuff, um, you now have control to be able to send transactions, UTXOs as they're known, um, and being able to manage that in a, a self-sovereign way. Um, so that would 
for those out there that aren't familiar with that, you know, if you're interested in Bitcoin, one of the first things to start learning about should be self-custody and ins and outs of that. It actually isn't as scary as it sounds. Um, it's really as simple as buying a little product. It looks like a USB drive, uh, securing a set of either 12 or 24 words, and then you're good to go from there. Do you think uh, the, 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 you know, in your speculation, who is Satoshi? Did the NSA create Bitcoin or was it some well-meaning cypherpunk? Um, any thoughts? That, or does it not matter? Uh, I guess my answer would be it doesn't necessarily matter at this point since, it, you know, we're 15 years in and it's, it's chugging along like it is. Um, I would lean more towards, you know, it's some either one or a group of, you know, pseudonymous individuals um, that are out there that have this big dream. Uh, whether he, she, they, them, where, however they are grouped, um, are still out there today and, and being able to see what they've created come to life. I hope so, um, just so they can have that benefit from it. And you know, whether they're, you know, still humble and sitting in a, a one-bedroom condo, or if they're sitting back on an island somewhere, who knows? Uh, but I hope they're they're able to see their their beauty come to life. After kids play the the shamery Bitcoin. A card game do they then go tell their parents mommy oh, daddy uh op open an account for, uh a bitcoin account for me if you're anything like our our four-year-old um yes so you know she's grown up playing the game she knows who satoshi is who hal is she knows who these characters are she acts you know sats are the smallest form of bitcoin so she'll um ask for sats to be sent to her wallet um she comes with us to conferences and and actually sells stuff at our table um to her directly to her her lightning wallet and so um the short answer is yes as they become more involved and that's the nice thing about kids you know they're not going to know anything different you know bitcoin is just a thing to them whereas you know whether you're in your 30s 40s 50s 60s you have to relearn a system uh, but you know our our daughter or daughters now you know they're just growing up with it um no different than growing up with video games and having you know in-game currency um, it's one of the same to them I would be slightly nervous letting my kid manage their cold uh, storage, though. We don't, we don't do that yet. We definitely um, do that for her. Uh, but she's aware of the fact that there's a, a wallet out there and that concept. And there's a QR code that people can scan to, to send it to. So those are the, the baselines for a four-year-old. And you know maybe when she's 14, 15, 16, uh, start to, to let her manage things on her own a little bit. I also see on your website, there's uh, Sats Ledger. What is that? So that's actually a partner product that we resell for them. It's a cool product that um, it comes in two booklets. Um, actually, I book two right here. So you get two at a time. Um, and it's a fun way if you're potentially doing maybe Bitcoin as allowance for your kids. And so each book acts as a ledger, no different than the Bitcoin ledger, where on it, you can record all of the activities that the kids are doing. Um, when they did it, um, how many stats they earned, et cetera. So it's a way for you and your uh, children to manage a kind of a paper ledger, if you will, and then send those sats um, and Bitcoin to the actual wallet. So just kind of a, a fun uh, tool like that. that that's interesting. Uh, we got a minute left. Uh, thanks for coming on, Scott. I think I'll, I'll be uh, checking out the card game. Again, tell us where people can can find you, projects, or, or you know any other uh, upcoming uh, events. Yeah, so like you mentioned, shamory.com, S-H-A-M-O-R-Y is the website. Um, Twitter, we're most actively on social media, play Shamory, but you can also find us on other social media from there. 
All right. Keep up uh, the great and interesting uh, work. Um, Bitcoin, you know, it's 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 the thing uh, now. Shamari.com and, and uh, people can go there, look at all the products, follow Scott on uh, Twitter. X, the handle is Scott M. Sibley. Uh, thanks for coming on again. And I'll be right back after the break.